15th this year in Fort Worth, Texas, a Caucasian teenager and some friends stole two cases of beer from the store. And he took those friends and he got in a Ford 350. And they began speeding as a in a residential neighborhood. And he had a blood alcohol level of three times the legal limit. Just a teenager having fun with his friends. It's a scene that's popularized in many teen movies and glamorized in many genres of music, except on this night, this truck struck four pedestrians, Brian Jennings, 43, Brianna Mitchell, 24, Shelby Boyles, 21, and her mother, Holly Boyles, 52. No doubt it was a national tragedy. Prosecutors sought the maximum of 20 years in state custody for the boy, but his attorneys successfully argued to the state district judge, Gene Boyd, that the teenager needed rehabilitation, not prison. His defense wasn't insanity, but guilty by reason of affluenza. Affluenza is a syndrome that keeps someone from a wealthy background from learning that bad behavior has consequences. If you have this syndrome, in the state of Texas at least, you won't get prison time, but you'll get rehabilitation at the cost of $450,000 and 10 years probation. Like Anderson Cooper said last week, I wish I was guilty of affluenza. Affluenza, it's seemingly a different kind of justice that is restricted and exclusive to those who have the means and to those who fit into certain demographics and categories. But like my grandmama used to say, if religion was a thing that money could buy, the rich would live and the poor would die. But I'm so glad on the last Sabbath of 2013 that God's kingdom is not about what you have, it's actually about what you do not have. His kingdom is not restrictive and exclusive, but seemingly permissive and inclusive. And we're going to see how in this message entitled, Obey Your Thirst. Obey Your Thirst. Turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, and I'll read the first two verses in your hearing. Isaiah chapter 55, and I'll read in your hearing the first two verses. If you have it, say, I got it. If you don't say, wait on me. Isaiah chapter 55, and I'll read in your hearing the first two verses. Whatever translation you have, you can read along with me. I'm reading from the message paraphrase, the message paraphrase. And the Bible reads, hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come anyway, buy and eat. Come buy your drinks, buy wine and milk, buy without money, everything's free. Why do you spend your money on junk food, your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me, listen well, eat only the best, Fill yourself with only the finest. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for bringing us to the end of this year. We thank you for bringing us through danger seen and unseen. Lord, we're here on the last Sabbath in 2013. We're clothed in our right mind. We have clothes on our back and we have food on our table. We thank you for being our Savior and our Lord. We ask that as we open your word that you'll open our heart. Help us to see you in a new way and do it in a way that only you can do. In Jesus' name we do pray. 
Amen. I would like to submit for your consideration a new type of syndrome, povertenza. Povertenza are those who are infected with the lack of means and the lack of access, and for some reason or another, it seems to cross all racial barriers, all ethnic barriers, all gender barriers, and all generational barriers. At least 47% of the population have povertenza. To those who find themselves in the category with the disease povertenza, the word of God comes to you in verse one of our scripture reading. It says, ho, everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. God says, ho, pay attention. He says, listen up. He says, check this out. Or as the newspaper salesman used to say, extra, extra, read all about it. God says, come, everyone come. You, right there, come. Yes, you, come. God is standing on the corner yelling at the cars, yelling at the commuters, yelling at the people who are talking on their phones and texting on their phones and tweeting on their phones, saying, hey, you, listen to me. And the first word out of his mouth is everyone. It's for everyone, those who hear, those who cannot hear, those who see, those who are blind, those who have faith and those who doubt, those who are atheists and those who are believers, those who have strong faith and those who are agnostic, those who are rich and those who are poor. He is standing in Times Square yelling to the upper class and the middle class and the underclass and the working class and those who have no class. He's talking to those who have six-figure incomes and those who cannot figure out their incomes. He says, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. And his marketing strategy is to get everybody's attention to show his product and to create a need. He is assuming that you are thirsty. He doesn't have to buy a 30-second ad on the Super Bowl, but he yells to everybody who can listen, everybody who is thirsty, Everybody who is famished, everybody who is parched, everybody with povertenza, he says, come. People who don't drink out of their faucet because the water has dirt in it. People who don't drink out of their faucet because it has chemicals in it and sediment in it. He says to the bougie people who have the filtered water and the bottled water, he says, everybody, no matter your class, come to the waters. And he says, and you, come. Those who think there is a price of admission, you. Those who think there is a background check to coming, you. Those who think you need a security deposit. Those who think you need to have a down payment. He says, yes, I'm talking to you. He says, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. He says, come get something to drink and something to eat. It seems as if God isn't trying to sell something but he's trying to give something away. It's kind of like that annoying person at Costco or at the mall where they hold up their product on a toothpick where it has tofu and cheese and they say, come try a sample. Who markets something that's free? Who creates a product and markets to those who have no money? But he says, you, if you're thirsty, come. You, if you're hungry, come. And before you can object, and say it's too good to be true, he reads your mind and says, yes, come, buy wine and milk 
without money and without price. You see the progression. He says, everyone come. You come. Yes, you come. Those who walk away. Those who are turned away. Those who are disqualified, you can come too. Those who are unemployed, you can come. Those without formal education, you can come too. Those without any marketable skills, he says, yes, come. To those who think it's too good to be true, and the person who says that there's no such thing as a free lunch, he says, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. You see, because of our past, because of our humanity, we want to qualify and qualify God's blessings. We say, he doesn't really mean that, okay? He means that, but it's for a certain type of people. And he only gives so much. We qualify and quantify God's blessings. And in response to that, we isolate and insulate ourselves from the very thing that we need. But check this out. God is trying to give us something that has already been paid for. He says, yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. I know some of you shop at Costco, and, but, but, but for, for those of you who shop at Walmart, um, something hit me this week. Um, I learned that Beyonce shops at Walmart. She went to Walmart last week buying some Christmas presents for her um, daughter and, and for Jay-Z, and, and people were following her and trying to take selfies with her and trying to take pictures with her and trying to just be seen with her. Beyonce just walked into a Walmart and just started shopping. I'm sure she had an entourage. I'm sure she had security around her. You couldn't actually get to her. She was buying presents, and when she rung up her items, she got on the intercom and said, Merry Christmas to everybody. Everybody who's here gets a $50 gift card. People, was ha people were happy and elated because everybody in the store got a $50 gift card from Beyonce. Now, mind you, Walmart was the only store that carried her album, and many people in the store would probably buy her album with the very gift card that she bought them, even though it cost her about $38,000. Her gift card was, um, we'll say, just enough. Just enough to maybe buy a week's groceries. Just enough to maybe buy some dessert. And just enough to buy something to wash it down with. And maybe you can get her album with the change that you have over. That's just enough. Beyonce, with all of her good intents, with all of her charity work, she gives you just enough in the form of a gift, in the form of a gift card. But hear this, God gives you more than enough, not in the form of a gift card, but in the form of a shopping spree. God says, I'm not a just enough God, I'm a more than enough God. God doesn't just supply some of your needs, hear me, he supplies all of your needs and even the things you don't know that you need. If the widow was here this morning, she would testify that God doesn't just give me just enough oil, but he gives me more than enough, more than enough to pay my outstanding debt, more than enough to feed my family and more than enough to provide for my future. If Joe was here, he would testify that God doesn't just bless you with just enough, but he reimburses you with the things that the locust stole and destroyed. He gives you more than enough, 
and he brings back the things that you lost. God doesn't just multiply the fish and the loaves, but he blows it up to where there is leftovers to the people who serve. God is a God of more than enough. Hear me, to let you know that I can supply your needs and to supply the needs you don't even know you have. So he says, go on a shopping spree. You see a gift card, there is a limit to what you can buy. Um, there's a limit to what you can buy. Um, I'm gonna mess you up, don't say amen, don't look around, just, just keep your eyes straight. If you have a gift card, you go to wherever you go and, and, and you carry around a calculator or your phone trying to do the math in your head because you know there's a limit. And if you count wrong, God help you, then you're awkward at the checkout trying to count all of the things that you're trying to buy plus the taxes minus the sale items. You don't want to have the embarrassment, maybe it's just me, having to subtract some things and they have to turn on the light to get the manager's approval and people looking at you crazy when you have to figure out what you have to put back, then you have to take them out of the bag and give them back to the cashier. It's just me, just keep your eyes straight. Maybe I'm the only one. When you go to the store and you have the gift card and you're still acting like you have to buy things for two people, what are you talking about? Where you have to buy things and put them on two cards. Hear me, not because you're buying for two people, but because you only have so much in one account and so much in another account and you're trying to make it stretch even with the gift card and your end still don't meet. Maybe it's just me. With a gift card, there's a limit. But with God, he says, go on a shopping spree. God says, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. There is no spending limit with me. I am more than enough. You see, with the shopping spree, it's not about what you can fit in the limit of the card. It's how much you can grab and put in your cart. And you strut up to the register because you know that whatever they bring up, you don't have to pay. You don't have to flinch. All you have to do is wait for your benefactor to come and pay with his card on you. God says, everybody come. You, come. Yes, you, come. But you have to be thirsty and you have to be poor. You see, when it is that you come thirsty, when you come poor, God says, then I will give you more than enough. God says, obey that thirst that's inside your heart. Obey that longing. Obey that desire. Obey that need for something. What are you talking about, chaplain? When you're walking around the store and you see advertisements and you see products and all of a sudden there's an itch inside of you that wants that thing and you don't even know why. Okay, that's not you. You're single and you're walking around Costco and you see all of the couples and the families having fun and then you feel your loneliness and you think that there is an itch somewhere you can scratch but hear me, it only makes you thirstier in the end. God says when you are thirsty, you obey it but you're obeying the wrong thirst. So he says in verse 2, why do you spend money on that which is not bread and your wages on that which does not satisfy? God says, you've been obeying the wrong thirst. And hear me, here's what's messed up. 
you're wasting your money in the process. Okay, so you buy junk food with your money. Not only do you lose your money, but the things you buy don't even satisfy you. You're obeying the wrong thirst. Augustine said it this way, God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. God has made us with this desire for him and we try to fill it with things. We try to fill it with people and some of us try to fill it with food. And you know what? Uh, don't look around, just keep your eyes straight. Facebook and Instagram have messed things up because everybody looks happy, but they're still thirsty. Behind every picture with a thousand likes and a thousand comments, there is a thirst that nothing can satisfy. Behind every cover photo, there is this desperation for the transcendent. You see, that's the thing about popping coffee. Um, it gives you a boost. Don't look around. Just keep your eyes straight. But it comes with a crash. That energy drink that the NBA people advertise, which is stupid to me, it gives you a surge of energy, but the crash will make you fall asleep. Um, I know some of y'all, um, like me, you work 12-hour shifts and 36-hour shifts, and some of you drink coffee, do you? But it's a diuretic. That means it dehydrates you in the process of quenching your thirst. So not only do you crash, but you lose more water in the end than when you were thirsty in the first place. It satisfies you temporarily, but it makes you thirstier, and it takes water from your body. People who are thirsty, like I was yesterday, on a, I was on a five-mile hike along the ocean, and I got real thirsty. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I have I'm some Powerade and Gatorade with me, but I had some water bottles. I, I said, Lord, if I get thirsty, I'm not going to do the, the, the sugar drinks. Um, I'm going to drink some water because I learned that when people are thirsty and you give them coffee and soda or pop, depending upon where you're from, you think it's helping them. And some of you spruce it up with Powerade and Gatorade and, and all that. But what they really need is water. Their body is thirsty and they need what their bodies are made of and what their bodies are designed for. People obey their thirst but end up thirstier at the end of their process. People obey their body's thirst while ignoring their spirit's thirst. People come to us hurting, asking for help, asking for prayer, and we give them retail therapy. People come to us hurting, asking for help, we tell them to go to a massage therapist. People come to us hurting, asking for help, we say you need some hydrotherapy. People don't just need some deep breathing and some meditation. People don't just need a vacation, they need the spirit. I need more than Ayanla to help my life. Isaiah says some people use food, but some people use objects. Um, we buy things that are inanimate objects. When those inanimate objects are subject to the creator, hear me for the purpose of giving him praise. Um, put your thinking caps on for a second. Karl Marx, um, he said that the rich class subjects the poor class to poverty while controlling their work and their lives to the point where they don't control anything at all and they get stuck in a rat race that they don't even know that they're running. And he says in the place of real living, people go after things and objects 
that make the rich richer and you get the thing. But hear me, in the process you become a thing. It's one of the traps of capitalism. You're keeping up with the Joneses and Facebook stalking the Joneses when they don't even know who you are. You think that the grass is greener on the other side, but you don't realize that they have a high water bill and their grass is fake astroturf anyway. And, and he, we are subjected to what he calls the fetishism of commodification. Two big words that simply mean that we go to the mall to buy stuff and we fall in love with the things. And in the process, we can become a thing. Or simply put, we get possessed by our possessions. We're obeying the wrong thirst. You need to understand two critical tenets about things. Uh, things worship God and things are controlled by God. Let the church say things worship God. What are you talking about? Um, the Bible says in Isaiah, right there in the same book, chapter 6, it says in the year... King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord. And he was seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and, and his train filled the temple. And he said the whole house was filled with smoke, and these seraphims were flying around with six wings. Two wings to cover their face, and two wings to cover their feet, and two to fly. I wish I had a couple of Bible readers here. But Isaiah says that the angels cried out one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah says, when the Lord comes in, the posts on the door move at the voice of him who cried. Um, it says the doorposts move when it heard angels crying out and worshiping God. An inanimate wooden object, dead wood, moved in the presence of a holy God. Now if dead wood, which is in the fire one day and in the ground the day before can shout in the presence of a holy God, what about a man that God woke up this morning? What about a woman that God breathed oxygen into their lungs? What about a boy that is clothed in their right mind? What about a girl? who has food on their table. I don't know about you, but I'm not gonna let a doorpost steal my praise. I don't need any wood shouting for me. I don't need any trees shouting in my place. Hear me, they don't have anything to shout about. But I got something to shout about. I'm not speaking for you, I can speak for myself. I don't know about you, but God kept me on the airplane when it should have crashed. I don't know about you, but when I was driving in my car, driving faster than I should have been driving, all of the shoulda, couldas, and wouldas, God kept me safe on the highway. I don't need any dead wood speaking for me. He made a way for me when my enemies tried to block my path. He put food on my table, and he opened doors that were in my face. More than that one Friday, he went to a cross, and he died on an inanimate object, and he used that inanimate object as an instrument of my salvation. Things worship God. But not only do things worship God, hear me, things are controlled by God. Let the church say things are controlled by God. How, what, what are you talking about, preacher? In the same book, Isaiah, in the verse, in the chapter before, ha, verse 17 says, 
no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Why? It's in verse 16. God says, behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. God says the reason why no weapon formed against you can prosper, ah, because I employ the creator of the weapon. The sword that the enemy uses against you, hear me, is made by the blacksmith, and God says I control him with my hand. Any inanimate object like a microphone is subject to the person who holds that object. And the person who holds the object is subject to the one who holds him. Oh, I wish I had a witness. If the creator God holds the world in his hands and he holds the universe in the palm of his hands and holds people in his hands, anything that the people hold, they have to be under his control. So whenever you're being controlled by things you are supposed to control, then you are out of order. Adam and Eve, when they were hiding in the trees, and the record says they were covering themselves with leaves from the trees. They were, they were being controlled by something they were supposed to have dominion over. So if you find yourself being controlled by things and dominated by things and thinking about things, God says you're obeying the wrong thirst. You're working for the wrong thing. God says if things worship me, if things are controlled by me, what about you? Verse 2 goes on and say, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. He says, don't focus on what you can't have and don't have, but focus on what you do have. Uh, he says, listen to me. Eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Check it out. Uh, God says, I am what you need. God says, I have what you need. And he says, I will give you what you need. He says, I am what you need, so listen carefully to me. I have what you need, so eat what is good. And he says, I will give you what you need. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. God says, obey your thirst, but obey the right thirst. When you're lonely, your heart is crying out for me. When you are sad, your soul is longing for me. And when you're single and don't have a spouse and you're walking through the mall during the holiday season and you see all of the families and you're sad because you haven't found your soulmate, God says, don't just run to eHarmony, try me. When you're walking on the beach, grieving all of the losses in your life and everything reminds you of who you lost and what you lost. God says don't try drugs, don't try sex, don't try alcohol. God says obey your thirst but bring it to me. God says I am what you need. I have what you need. The things that you're thirsty for that's me knocking on the door of your heart. The record says that there was this woman at the well 
she came with a bucket to draw water from the well. And she met Jesus at the well. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who you were talking to, then you wouldn't be thirsty for this dirty water anymore. Her life was full of pain, pain, hurt, and rejection, and loneliness that she didn't want to show. But Jesus saw the desert in her soul, and he says, drink from this water, the water that I give. And he says, you will never thirst again. The song says we all search for something to fill us up inside, but it's only an illusion. You know, true love is hard to find, but I'm here to tell you that there is one place that your, your thirst is quenched forevermore. You'll never leave him disappointed. You'll find what you're looking for. Jesus says, drink from this water and you will never thirst again. I wish I had at least three people to testify that as they close this year, they'll say, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. God says, I am what you need. And you know what? You're going to keep coming to this same well with the same bucket, drawing the same dirty water. But he says, when you get attached to me, hear me. He says, not only will I quench your thirst, but he says, I'll put a well inside of you. And you'll never thirst again. He says, I am what you need. I have what you need. And I will give you what you need. God says, it ain't about the stuff. It ain't about the objects. God says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. But he says, when you come to me, I'll give you your heart's cry. And you don't have to work for it. All you got to do is be thirsty for me. There is a prestigious oncologist named Rachel Naomi Remen. She's an oncologist in San Francisco. And she told the story of her childhood about when she would go to school and take her quizzes and take her tests. She was a bright young girl, very smart, very articulate. And her, her parents and her grandparents expected excellence from her. She only got A's. But you all know here, if you're an educator or been in school any amount of time, there are degrees of age. You have an A plus, you have A, and you have A minus. One day she brought home a final exam, and she said that she got a 98. And she wanted to, she had the smiley face on it, and she had a gold star on her forehead. Her teacher told her, good job. She came home and gave her father the exam with the 98. And you know what her father said? Where the other two points? Where the other two points? And she got it in her mind that nothing was good enough. She got it in her mind that she had to look for what was missing instead of what she had. There are so many people in the world, including me. Sometimes when we get lonely, sometimes when we get sad, no matter how much we've accomplished, no matter how much money we make, we're always looking for what's missing. But God says, why don't you focus on what you have and who you have? There's somebody here under the sound of my voice. 
Jesus says, you're thirsty and you're looking in the wrong places. You only see what's missing instead of what and who you have. And you want to say, I'm tired of drinking dirty, nasty, stale water. And for the upcoming year, you want to obey your thirst, but you want to obey it with the spirit and not all of this extraneous stuff. If that's you, I invite you to stand to your feet. I want to pray a special prayer just for you. You're thirsty for something. And no matter what you do, it's not going to satisfy it. I'm here to testify your grief. Retail therapy won't take it away. Massage therapy will not take it away. Even support groups won't take it away. But God says, I can heal the things you don't even know that you need. Because I am a more than enough God. There's somebody here. There's something that you want to give to God. You're tired of carrying around that 2%, looking for what's missing. And you want to find your true heart's desire. If that's you, I invite you to come to the front. I'm going to pray a special prayer just for you. You want your true heart's desire. It's not your spouse. It's not that car. It's not that job. It's not that suit. God says your heart is crying out for me. I put something inside of you. And you're going to try to fill it with religion. You're going to try to fill it with good food. You're going to try to fill it with vacations and good stuff. That's going to help. But it's not going to satisfy that thirst. Is there another? There's, your heart is crying for something and you don't even know what it is. God says, that's me knocking on the door of your heart. When you're lonely, God says, that's me. When you're desperate, God says, that's me. Knocking on the door of your heart, saying, I miss my time with you. Is there another? Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we, we wonder about your extravagance. You said, um, stop trying to keep the resolutions. Stop trying to improve yourself. Stop trying to fix yourself. Come to me and delight in me. But Lord, we think it's too good to be true. We think that there are strings attached. We think that we have to perform in order to be rewarded. And Lord, we've been going around looking for that 2%. But Lord, there are people here under the sound of my voice. We're tired. We're tired. And Lord, we need you to give us our true heart's desire. Lord, there's somebody here under the sound of my voice. They've had a long year. Made some progress. But Lord, we're still screwed up. And we need you to not just carry us, but to cradle us in your arms and to be our shepherd. Give us the thing that we need. Set up a well inside of us. So the pornography won't be a temptation. So the gambling won't be a temptation. So the alcohol won't be a temptation. God, we love sin more than we love you. And we need you to give us a thirst for you that's greater than our thirst for anything in this world.
If that's you, just respond by saying amen. God bless you. God bless you.